Shalom Mishpocha. Shalom, family. Mishpocha is a Hebrew word. It means family. And we're the Mishpocha, the family with a Jewish heart, made up of Jewish and non-Jewish people. Where the middle wall of separation between Jew and Gentile, it's been removed. And what Paul was so ecstatic about is about ready to happen. He saw this in the Spirit. When that middle wall of separation comes down, it's as if the spiritual DNA on Jewish believers in Jesus and the spiritual DNA on Gentile believers in Jesus both were incomplete. But when the two come together, it makes a full manifestation uh, for the resting place for the Spirit of God. Now, my guest is someone that uh, many of you have heard. I've interviewed him several times in the past. Uh, Rodney Howard Brown, I haven't been in touch with him as much as I would have liked to over the years. But uh, Rodney never said this to me. But uh, I have noticed that he has been the catalyst for the four greatest moves of God in modern times. And uh, we did a little research, uh, Rodney, and we found out the, the great revivals in, in modern days were, were at the Toronto Airport Church of Brownsville in Pensacola, Florida, uh, the Smithton Revival, and then bumped to uh, England, Holy Trinity uh, Brompton Church. Um, and we found that you are traced to all of them, uh, that is, that's an amazing revelation <laughs> uh, because, I, I mean, I'm not stretching anything. You definitely had a transfer of anointing for every one of these revivals. Well, you know, I don't think, <laughs> I tell people, don't blame me for everything. I <laughs> really is all the Holy Spirit, and we understand that God uses people. And all we see ourselves is to light the fires of revival everywhere we go. Well, now that I've realized this and I've put this whole connection together, uh, it's even more imperative that we understand how God dealt with you. Because as you say, whatever you received, anyone listening to us can receive if they get hungry enough. Would you agree? Yes, sir. You know, the Bible says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. God is looking for people that he can chase himself strong in their behalf. And as a young boy, I'm giving my life to the Lord when I was five and baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was eight years of age, crying out for God throughout my growing up, my teen years. Now, now let, me, let me point out, you were raised in a Pentecostal home. Uh, out of curiosity... Did you see miracles as a young boy in your home, in your church? Yes, yeah, so my mom and dad, uh, my dad was an engineer. My mom ran several businesses, and I saw the Spirit of God on both of them. Actually, in fact, every one of the nine gifts operated through their life. Our house was a place of prayer. People would come to get set free from uh, demonic oppression, delivered off of drugs, alcohol, and then also come to our home for prayer meetings to get the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So... I saw it all in the living room. It, it was pretty amazing as a kid growing up. Well, that's a great heritage. Just out of curiosity, I've never asked you this, but did you have a season where you backslid? 
I mean, being, you know, unfortunately, lots of people raised the way you were raised. Uh, they they want to see if the grass is a little greener somewhere else. No, sir, I did not. I, I tell you, I think my parents, it was their walk with God. I mean, every day we prayed together, and I saw the reality of Jesus in each of them. So um, from a young age, I had a really relationship with the Lord, so I did not, I did not backslide, no. Thank God. Okay, in 1978, something happened that just shook you to the very core. What was that? My oldest brother, I have two older brothers, one 12 years older than the other one, 14 years older than me. And my oldest brother passed away suddenly of a, a leukemia. And it pretty much devastated the whole family. I mean, he was in the ministry. We were in it. We had a music group together. And I really looked up to him, obviously, as my older brother. And he died suddenly. And so I remember standing at his deathbed. I was only 17 at the time. And I remember praying, and I made a vow. I said to the Lord, I said, the devil's going to rue the day that he touched my brother. And I didn't even know what I was saying. Said I said, uh, I said to the devil, people are going to laugh at you all over the world. I did not know God would give us a ministry of joy. Hmm. Uh, so, Rodney, would you say you kind of, up until that point, were taking things for granted, having been raised where the supernatural is so natural in your home, and your church. Uh, in other words, tell me, what was the difference in your hunger as a result of what happened to your brother? Well, I realized, you know, that I had to have the fire in my life. Um, you can see the fire of God. It's like when Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, I see the fire in you that was in your mother and your grandmother. And I did, I knew that my parents had an intimate relationship with the Lord that God spoke to them and the Lord had spoken to me several times as a teenager I'd heard his audible voice however I knew that if I was going to go into the ministry which God had called me to go into that I could not go without the fire like John the Baptist said I'm baptized with water but there's coming one after me who will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire and I knew I knew I had the Holy Spirit but I needed that fire if I was going to have any impact anywhere I went so how were you praying at that time? Oh, I was just desperate. I, I, and it really took place over a period from August of 78 through to July of 79. And then in July of 79, for whatever reason, I just was one night. I just said, Lord, tonight's my night. I said, either you come down and touch me or I'm coming up there to touch you. And I was so desperate, I was beginning to cry out, God, I want your fire. And the five God fell on me. <laughs> but, 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 but even before that, when you said, Lord, tonight is my night, you were just making a bold statement, or did you feel God showed that to you? No, no, no. It was just like in a place of desperation, ah. um, crying out to God. Okay. Tell me about what happened. As I was crying out for the fire, and it's just shouting at the top of my voice. Um, actually, I felt nothing at the time. Uh, for probably about 20 minutes, and then suddenly it was like somebody poured uh, gasoline over me and set me ablaze. Now, when I say this, it, when I talk about the fire of God, it, it was not painful, but it's like pins and needles, but it was not It was a good kind. It was like electricity running through my body from the top of my head to the soles of my feet, and out of my, my innermost being, this river of living water began to flow. I was started to weep, and I was la laughing, and I was speaking other tongues, and this just went on and on. It flowed like a river. 
And uh, that, so that was when the Lord touched me, and it lasted like that for uh, really over three days. Into the fourth day is when I cried, and I said, Lord, I, I can't bear this. Can you lift it? And I realized why we're going to have to have a glorified body when we get to heaven, because uh, we wouldn't be able to stand in the presence of God. Our physical bodies cannot take too much of the presence of God. Now, just out of curiosity, you say it lasted uh, several days. Um, uh, did you just stay in your prayer place, or did you go to work and then, then come back and pray? What was going on? No, no. I was actually with a group of young people, and they were mainly all Methodist, Presbyterian, Baptist, Dutch Reformed. I was the only Pentecostal among them, so I kind of frightened everybody in the room when I started crying out. But when the fire of God fell on me, it actually fell on them and there was a group of girls from the Grahamstown High School for Girls, and the five God hit them. They went back, and a revival broke out. They went for three years in Grahamstown, and I only found out some of the stuff later, years later. Um, uh, we know of a pastor's wife who was actually there the night that I got touched by the fire, and she told the story of how the revival went back to this high school and shook this whole high school. Now, out of curiosity, uh, your parents, when you— went to them and told them what happened. How did they react? Oh, no, they understood. They totally understood because I'd seen my mother. I remember when I was seven years old, I walked in the, room, in the living room and my mom was sitting on the sofa and she was filled with great joy and she was just laughing for over three and a half hours. And I, I remember at the seven, as a seven-year-old boy, I said to my dad, what's happening to mom? And he said, Jesus is touching mom. So to me, you know, I, I totally understood the presence of God. And the Bible says in his presence is fullness of joy at his right hand, the pleasures forevermore. The Bible says out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And uh, this is the joy that Jesus gives that the world cannot give. Now, the fire went into you. You're experiencing God. When did it actually start being released on other people? Of course, uh, you said there was a group there that it was released on, but at a meeting, when did it start being released? Well, well uh, just in reference to when it fell on me, I, I didn't know what to do with it, so I started laying hands on everybody around me, and they got hit. <laughs> the next year, 1980, when I went to the ministry, I was traveling with a group called Youth for Christ, and uh, we had a music group. I was lead singer, guitarist, and we had a whole band. And we, I, we were in this Methodist church. And, of course, they told me, they said to me, look, you can't talk about the Holy Spirit. You know, I said, okay, well, what do you want me to talk about? They said, well, talk about Jesus. I said, well, that's fine by me. I know him, so I can talk about him. <laughs> and, uh, I think they forgot that uh, the Bible says, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. And so when you talk about Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes along and said, did you call? But um, so I was in the back room of this Methodist church, and one of the young ladies on our team that was in terrible uh, pain came into the door right, right before the service and said, look, I'm in terrible pain. Would you pray for me? And I got up, and as I went towards her, and I lifted my hand to lay it on her head, on her head, the power of God come right through my hand and went into her. I never even touched her, and she just crumbled on the floor. And I felt for the first time, the tangible presence of God coming through through my hands. It, it was like that electricity that hit you originally. It was now moving through you to other people. Correct. But I felt it. For the, I felt it go from me. And then I found the reference in the scripture from Mark chapter 5, 
the story with the woman to issue blood. Uh, Rodney, uh, I think you're going to have to hold that thought. We're out of time right now. But Rodney's call, his purpose is to make you so hungry for God, to provoke you to such jealousy and then to pray a prayer of impartation and to facilitate this. I'm so excited. We have his book called The Touch of God and four CD series on The Touch of God. And by the time you finish this, this is God's moment for you. I want you to get this in your hands as soon as possible. And you start doing what Rodney is doing for a gift of $40 called The Touch of God. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697, 1-800-447-2697. Tell me uh, about the meeting. It was almost a decade later in 1989 in Clifton Park, New York. Well... We were invited to, you know, we came over as missionaries to America. God sent us uh, off to I. Uh, how clear was your call to America? How'd that, how'd that come about? Oh, I knew. And, and you were in South Africa, but go ahead. I knew that when I was a little boy, I mean, I'd line my bears up when I was five, preach to them and climb out the window to go to America. So it was very clear. <laughs> but uh, we came over December of 80, uh, 1987. Landed in the country with $300, didn't hardly really know anyone. But at that time, we, when we arrived in the country, the nation was in crisis. If you remember back at that time, 87, 88, with two uh, critical gears within the church, major ministries had collapsed, and there was an apathy within the church. And so as I was traveling across the United States, really just crying out for God to come and move, that the Lord would touch them with the same way that he touched me back 10 years before, it was April of 89 in upstate New York, a little town called Clifton Park, Harvest Fellowship, Pastors Paul and Caroline Tabano, that we went in to do a series of a whole week of meetings, which was our first week ever in America, the whole week, Sunday to Friday, two meetings a day. And it was on a Tuesday morning. I was teaching on the subject of the anointing, which is what you'll find in the book that you offer the people today called The Touch of God, all about the anointing. And on the Tuesday morning, while I was speaking, the very atmosphere of the room changed. I mean, I was talking like I am right now. There was no shouting or waving of the arms or nothing, just standing there talking from the book of Luke, chapter 4 and verse 14. You know, Jesus returned the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him throughout all the region round about. And he taught in the synagogues, being glorified of all. And this. he came to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up. The Bible tells us that he read from the book of Isaiah, and he opened the book and found the place was written, and he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And that is the day when salvation and the free favors of God profusely abound, the year of jubilee. And as I was talking along these lines, the very atmosphere of the room changed. It felt like the air became holy, and the, the, the air particles began to move, and people just started falling out under the power of God in their seats. No one even touched them. And the crowd diminished, not out of the door, but into the floor. And I had to begin to speak above the noise of the people as they began to weep and begin to 
be filled with joy uh, and the fullness of it. And as this was happening, I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, you're ruining my meeting. <laughs> Did you really say that? Because uh, <laughs> if you're a speaker, you're used to everybody being quiet and just listening to you. But here I had to talk about it. And the Lord said to me, I'm touching my people. Let me touch my people. And I understood all of the ramifications of what would come out later years as we'd come under fire. People wouldn't understand that. But the Lord said, I'm touching my people. And he reminded me of what happened on the day of Pentecost in the upper room with 120 people when they were with one accord in one place. And then suddenly, the Bible says, suddenly, there came a sound from heaven like a mighty rushing wind. The Amplified says, like a violent tempest blast filled all the house. And then they appeared fire on each of their heads. And then they went out, 120 of them went out, and, and 3,000 people were saved. That's how the church that's how the church was born, in great power. And if it was important for the early church, it's important for us in 2014. It's important for us in the 21st century. It's important for us in this day and this hour that we have the same power that was available to the apostles of old. And many would say that the days of the apostles are gone and that all the ceased and the days of miracles are over and the days of the outpouring of the Spirit are gone over. But I want you to know that they are not over. And God is pouring out His Spirit upon all flesh. And we stand on the brink of the greatest move of God that the world has ever known. And the glory of God will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And we're going to see a whole nation shaken. It does not matter what the devil's plan is. Even in America, he thinks he's got America. But I've got news for you. God's word says when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of God will raise up a standard against him. And in this day and this hour, men and women will rise up from obscurity. They'll come out of the mountains. They'll come out of the foothills. They'll come out of the bush. They will rise up full of the anointing of God, just like the days of old, just like the book of Acts. And people say that the days of the apostles have come again. And they will see the signs and the wonders and miracles. And the anointing of God will flow like a river. And the harvest shall come in. And then Jesus shall come. And he's coming back for a glorious church without spot or blemish, without wrinkle. And we will see the glory of God in the earth. And it will be made manifest through ordinary men, ordinary women, with a mighty, mighty God operating through them. And I, I believe, and you do too, that God's called you from South Africa for this moment in history that's happening right now. But just to kind of whet the appetite of some of the people, uh, I, I love your teaching. Uh, you, you, you talk about uh, having been uh, to Africa, and there's some 50 deaf people uh, that are lined up, and you make a decision and this is an important thing to understand. You make a decision no matter what. You will not back down. So what happens if you pray for the first couple of people and they, nothing happens? Tell me what occurred. Well, if nothing happened, then they were just as deaf as they always came. But the possibilities are that God is going to move and God's going to touch people. It's not our reputation anyway. The Bible it specifically tells us to lay hands on them. Except for one thing. When you pray for the first few deaf people and you have 50 deaf people lined up and they're not healed, you know what happens to the faith level? It goes <laughs> down to the floor. Well, you might pray for one or two and then suddenly they start popping. So, I mean, that's exactly what happened that day. 
And, um, that, you know, we have nothing to lose. It's not our reputation. It's Jesus, and it's his word. And we just got to put ourselves out on a limb and expect to see God come and touch his people, and he will. That's why we're talking about the anointing and the touch of God, because the touch of God is available for every single person. Tell me about someone that caught the same anointing that, well, of course, we talked about uh, the four great revivals of modern day. But uh, tell me about an evangelist that the anointing was transferred to that God put upon you. Well, one of them that was very, I mean, significant is an evangelist by the name of Randy Clark, who in 1993, when the revival broke down in central Florida, broke out in Lakeland, um, and over 100,000 people were touched in the first six weeks of that meeting in, the, in, in March of 93. Um, I didn't realize that who he was because he would just come in the lines and be prayed for uh, time and time again and then actually followed us around and we'd be in and out. But in January, in the first week of January of 94, he um, was in the meeting because we did our big January camp meeting in, in Lakeland, a uh, venue that seat 10,000. And I remember him standing, looking at me, holding his hands. And he said, I feel this, this like electricity on my hands. I said, look. He, he said, I'm heading for Canada next. I said, go, go there and lay hands on everything that moves. And the next thing I heard, they, they had a mighty revival breakout in, in Toronto. So, you know, I, I hadn't actually seen him. I never saw him for quite a few years and uh, until later. And um, actually, in fact, he and I just spoke on the phone just a few weeks ago. Um, but, I mean, God's using him in an amazing way, just with miracles and healings all over to the nations now. But, um, of course, that's all history. But um, he felt it. He, he was looking at his hands. In actual fact, I've often thought, I should go back and find the film footage in the archives of the actual event because I'm sure he'd love to have that when, when he and I interacted that way. But he said, I feel my hands on fire. And I said, look, the reason why you feel that is so that you can minister that to others. So just go lay hands on everything that moves. And, of course, he did. And then, then a woman went out to Toronto, where the great revival at the airport church occurred. Uh, she was from England. She lays hands on the pastor from the Holy Brompton Church of England. Revival breaks out there. Uh, Steve Hill, uh, he goes to Holy Trinity uh, Brompton in England, uh, and they lay hands on him. He then goes out to Pensacola, Florida. So you can see how everything is all connected. But we're coming into a time like we've never had before. Rodney senses it. I sense it. You sense it. And this time we're living in is, I believe, is why you have written your book and you have your four CD set called The Touch of God, uh, because you're going to plant a holy hunger into people as they listen to you. Everything is timing. I mean, look what God did uh, over over the last uh, few decades in reference to the fire that came upon Rodney. But this is God's time for the fire to just explode throughout America, throughout the world. And I believe that as you read his book 
as you listen to these four CDs called The Touch of God, and as he prays an impartation upon you, uh, Rodney, you said this, but I'd rather you say it than me, uh, about after that fire comes on them, people that have been sitting in a church for 30, 40 years, what's going to happen to them? What's God going to do with them? When the fire of God comes on you, there's going to be a boldness. And then you're going to enter into your, really, the reason why you're on the earth, your destiny. I know people throw that term out a lot, but you're going to find the true meaning of why you are here. Two of the greatest events in the life of... No, 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 we're out of time. On yesterday's broadcast, Rodney, uh, we were talking about uh, having a... uh, making a decision not to back down. You're in Africa. You're praying for some 50 deaf people. The first couple of people you pray for, no results, nothing whatsoever. What is going on in your mind at that moment, Rodney? Well, you know, in the early days of the ministry, I mean, you just obey what God says do, lay hands on the sick. And when I called for deaf ears, I mean, the, the whole the line just kept getting longer and longer. I'm in a remote part of Africa. And the bottom line is, you know, I said, look, I've got nothing to lose. I mean, uh, it's not my reputation. It's the Lord's. And so as I laid my hands on the first few, nothing happened. But then it just clicked in, and the ears began to pop open, and we began to see miracles. And I prayed for 50 people that day. And it was just, it was really just phenomenal what the Lord did. So I, the Lord taught me at that time, that you just step out and you obey his word, and then he comes and confirms his word. Now, now were many of the deaf people, were they able to hear? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> okay, that's what I wanted to get. How, how many would you say, approximately? Well, I, I mean, it's a long time ago. You talk about the first years of the ministry, but out of the 50, I would say over 80% of them heard. But the, the important point is, and see, most believers that are hearing us right now, when the first two weren't healed, they would have said, okay, next subject. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I mean, uh, there's something in you that doesn't give up. Am I right? <laughs> well, you just, it's God's Word. And I know that the Lord does it, and it's got nothing to do with, with me in the sense of I have to be obedient. And... Um, there's reasons why some people are healed and some people aren't healed, but the bottom line is we just go to the Lord in prayer, and um, we let God uh, do exactly what He said He would do from His Word. Well, that kind of begs the question. Um, I, uh, you had a uh, daughter uh, who, at a young age, I think 18, she died. Uh, what did she die from? Well, Kelly, that's my middle daughter. She died at the age of 18. She died on Christmas Day of 2002, and she died in my arms. As I sang to her, she, she was born with cystic fibrosis, which is a genetic disease that affects the lungs. Um, and we saw many healings over the years, but she just ran out of lungs by the time she turned 18. And, and so she went home to be with Jesus. We now, now, some people... If, the, if that were to happen to them, and they've seen miracles such as uh, I know you have seen, you've probably seen multiple times every miracle that you read about in the Bible. Uh, a lot of people, as a result of that, get angry with God. They get bitter. Uh, did God show you why she died? Well, 
you know, here's the thing. Our faith, Kelly nearly died when she was 11 months. She nearly died when she was three years of age. And the fact is that, um, you know, we need to have a miracle. My wife and I carried her with our faith just past her 18th birthday. And then the moment she turned 18, it was like we couldn't carry her anymore. Plus, she had a thing going on with the Lord. We couldn't get involved, and we tried our best. And, um, you know, she, she's with Jesus. She is healed. Huh. She's walking streets of gold. We know exactly where she is. And uh, when I held her in my arms, I made a vow of 100 million souls, so the devil's paying for that one. So it's not a problem to me. I'm, I don't feel any loss. Obviously, we do miss her, but we know exactly where she is. And um, I often tell people, said, listen, there's many people going through heartache and situations in their life, but don't let that enemy use that as an opportunity to set you back. Rise up in Jesus' name. Do the works of Jesus and just keep praying, ministering to people, and the day will come when we all rejoice on the other side. And and that's the way it should be, Uh, because the truth is, the reason that we don't know everything is we're not God. And and uh, all we all we're responsible for is what we do know, and you know to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Sure. Okay, Rodney. Um, when all these manifestations broke out at your meetings, uh, I imagine that you went through a lot of persecution. I mean, personally. I had never seen uh, waves of the Holy Spirit with people laughing in row after row. With, In fact, I have to tell you this funny story. I had an uncle that was a professional comedian, and he used to watch uh, on, on television. He, he would watch, uh, even, actually, when I interviewed you, and he would, he would, we would have B-roll of people laughing hysterically, and he would call me on the phone. Remember, he's a professional comedian, and he would call me on the phone, and he would be so vile and so angry with me because he'd say, that guy is not saying anything funny. Why are those people falling out of their chairs, rolling in the aisles, laughing hysterically? I, I mean— and, and I mean, he was angry with me. Now, that's a non-Christian. I can imagine some Christians gave you grief, too. Yeah. You know, for the most part, I mean, the people that give the hard time are the religious people who think the church should be done a certain way. But, you know, one thing I know from the Bible, wherever Jesus went, people went walking and leaping and praising God. And so, and, the, and, and what happened on the day of Pentecost in the upper room with a mighty rushing wind and fire falling. But... Um, yeah, there's been persecution, and um, but that's all part of the whole thing of what we are to uh, go through. But the but the fruit of the ministry remains, and I think Jesus uh, obviously made that very plain. He said, "You'll know them by their fruit." The fruit is evident now around the world. Churches that have sprung up everywhere. I mean, they might not look like us or talk like us, but many of them will tell you, uh, pastors of churches and whole denominations that have sprung up the last really since um, 89, uh, they'll tell you, you know, I was touched on the floor in a meeting. God spoke to me, started a church, and I mean, this is all over the planet. So it's not stuff that I'm making up. It's what we've bumped into as we've gone along. And um, so our job is just to obey the Lord and do what God tells us to do. Obviously, there's people within the framework of the evangelical movement that only believe in tongues. You know, if you speak in tongues, you're of the devil. So, you know, we can't even even discuss it with those kind of people that don't even believe in 
speak in other tongues. But the fact of the matter is that God is still pouring out his spirit upon all flesh. We've got over 800 million people in the world speaking in other tongues. God is moving by his spirit, and Jesus is coming back for a glorious church. You know, at the Pentecostal revival 100 years ago, uh, there was a, 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 a a black one-eyed preacher uh, that God used to start that fire. And he used to put a cardboard box over his head, and he would not take that box off until God told him what he was supposed to do. Uh, how does it work with you? you don't, I've never seen the box on your head, but how does it work with you? Well, you know, we, 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 we love worship, so we'll, we'll worship, and the presence of God will come in. And what I do is it's, it's like... I, I tell people it's like flying a kite. You've got to find out which way the wind's blowing. And then Jesus said, I don't do anything but that I first see my Father do it. He said, I'm my Father one. He said, if you see me, you've seen the Father. And so the Bible tells us Jesus spoke the Word of God, and because he spoke the Word of God, God gave him the Spirit without measure. And obviously we understand that we have the Spirit by measure. The Ephesians 4, 7 says, But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. But as we get up and we begin to minister and people place a demand upon the anointing, then the anointing begins to flow like a river. And the anointing is the presence and power of God manifest that will touch people right where they are in their homes, that will heal the sick, that will set the captives free, that will destroy every yoke of bondage, that will break the power of fear and torment, get people off of drugs and alcohol and heal marriages and restore people's joy and get them off of depression and the medication for, you know, the drugs for depression, and deliver them. It's the anointing that destroys the yoke of bondage. And so um, I just really get up and um, welcome the Holy Spirit to come, lift up Jesus, and then anything can happen, as we say, and probably probably will. <laughs> now, um, I, I have seen people at your meetings, when the presence of God comes on them, they can't even—they're uh, standing up like giving a testimony or something, but then all of a sudden the presence of God is so strong they can't even speak. How were you able to speak with the presence of God so strong on you? You know, I've learned to flow with the anointing, but I will tell you this. I mean, even now, just the last couple of weeks, I mean, there have been times I get on the platform and just start to weep, and it's hard to even speak because of the presence of God is so strong, and you're just so humble in in His presence. And um, that's why I guess the, the Word declares it is a joy unspeakable. It's very hard to put into words to people exactly what you're feeling, because we really don't even know how to explain it. It's like an overdose of the love of God, which is, as that song says, greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The love of God is the most overwhelming thing, and the presence of God is so overwhelming. And I just feel if everybody gets touched by the Lord, if everyone can get the touch of God, their whole life's going to change. God spoke to you one time, and he said, I will move all the time if you let me. What did he mean by that to you? Well, as a minister of the gospel... We have to get out of the way. Many times we can come into, into the pulpit with preconceived ideas. We can have all our notes. We can have, this is going to happen. We can even time it down to the minute. But when the Spirit of God comes in and takes over, 
very unpredictable as far as what God is going to do. It's like flying a kite. You know, you can fly if you know how to fly a kite. You can fly in a very little breeze. Whereas uh, somebody who doesn't know couldn't get the thing off the ground. It's like sailing a ship or a yacht. Those that are experienced in sailing can sail a yacht in a very slight breeze, where others will just stand stranded. You've got to learn the ways of the wind of the Spirit of God. And so when, we, when I come into the place of ministry, I always say, Lord, what do you want to do? I'll, I'll do what you want me to do. I'll say what you want me to say. So tell me one time where God told you to do something or something occurred uh, that it was hard for you. A man, I walked out into the service and I looked and there was a man sitting in the front row. And the guy looked like he was off the front page of a success magazine. And he looked like a million dollars. And we were in a worship time, and I looked out, and the Lord said to me, tell him I'm going to give him the miracle. And that I'm, it's, going to, it's a half a million dollar miracle that he's believing God for. He's in dire straits. And I thought, no, I'm not going to do that. I, look at this guy. I mean, I can't tell him that. And the word of the Lord came to me again. And I pushed it away. And the third time it was so strong. So I walked off the platform. I said, sir, I don't know you, but the Lord told me that you are in dire straits. You need a $500,000 miracle. God. And the guy just began to weep and he collapsed in the floor. And later on, um, after the service, when we talked to him, he said, man, I came here. I was desperate. He said, I need a half a million by tomorrow. He said, otherwise they're shutting my company down. And if you had looked at the man from the outside, you would never, never have obeyed, ever. But what I've learned over the years is you can't go by the outside. You can't go by what you see. You just have to obey the Lord and do what God tells you to do. Now, you've seen so many miracles in your meetings, uh, especially as you let the Holy Spirit minister, as the Holy Spirit wants to. Uh, tell me about someone with cancer that was healed. Back in 94, and I use this as an example because um, as a pastor, a dear friend of ours now, came to the meetings diagnosed with stage 4 cancer of the colon. And um, it basically, doctors had given him up to die. And uh, we'd had this uh, morning special anointing service, and I laid hands on him. He laid out in the power for several hours. And uh, he said that uh, this is his testimony, but he said when I laid hands on him, he said it was like five, my fingers on his chest. It was like five bolts of lightning went through him. And uh, God totally healed him. Every trace of cancer left his body. And now he still passes today. That was 94. And here we are, uh, you know, 2014. And so you can imagine he's pastoring in Atlanta, Pastor Merrick Houghton. And it's just phenomenal. I mean, God had totally burned every trace of cancer out of his body when there was nothing that the doctors could do for him. Now, when I laid hands on him, I, don't, I can't tell you, I felt five bolts of lightning, but he said when I laid hands on him, he felt it was like the fire of God went right into him, and the Lord healed him. So I've learned over the years, don't go by what you feel, just do exactly what the Bible says, which when the Word of God declares, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, our job is to do the laying on our hands. It's God's job to cause the recovery. Tell me about someone that was confined to a wheelchair that was healed. I was up in the state of Alaska in the city of Juneau, and 
This is back 91. Um, Juneau is a town of 30,000 where the governor's mansion is. It's the uh, capital of the state of Alaska. And on the Sunday night, a little trinket Indian by the name of Dolly Phillips uh, was in a wheelchair. They brought a Ford, and I was praying, just laying hands on everybody. And I got to Dolly. I laid hands on her, and I felt to ask her. I said, Dolly, what do you feel? She said, I feel the presence of God. And I said to her, Dolly, what do you want to do? She said, I want to get up right now. So then I worked with her faith. I said, okay, come, get get up. And I took her by the hand. She climbed up. She went around the whole building. What I did not know was that everyone knew Dolly Phillips. Everyone knew Dolly Phillips. So over the next three weeks, thousands of people come through that building. I mean, the power of God hit. We, we estimate probably 3,500, which is like 10% of the population of Juno came through. Hundreds and hundreds were saved. The fire of God fell, and all because of a little clinket Indian lady by the name of Dolly Phillips climbed out of a wheelchair. And if you ask me if I felt anything that day, I, I, I didn't really feel anything other than just doing what God told me to do, just lay hands on the people. But she felt it, and she climbed out of the chair, and the rest is history. I, uh, a year ago, we were in Juneau, Alaska, and there her husband was. She's now gone home to be with the Lord. But there was Fred Phillips, and we just hugged him, and he reminded me of the time when his wife climbed out of that wheelchair. What a, what a miracle. And people were stopping her in the streets. And what happened to you, Dolly? You were in the chair. And she said, Jesus healed me. It was remarkable. You believe that if someone gets hungry enough, they'll be able to do everything they read in the Bible, everything you do? Do you really believe that? They'll be able to operate in the nine gifts of the Spirit? Do you believe that? Beyond a shadow of a doubt, because the promise is not just to those who are called in the fivefold ministry. That when Jesus gave the Great Commission, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And then he said, these signs shall follow them that believe. It didn't say the signs will follow the apostle or the prophet or the evangelist or the pastor or the teacher. The signs will follow the believer. These signs will follow them that believe in my name. They'll cast out devils. They'll lay hands on the sick. If they eat any deadly thing or drink any deadly thing, it'll not harm them. They'll take up serpents. That means that there is supernatural protection. With the Great Commission comes the great protection that God will protect you en route while you are carrying out the message of the gospel to the lost and dying world. And um, so we just have to be obedient to obey the Lord. And the Bible says uh, the disciples went forth. They preached the word of God, and God worked with them, confirming the word with signs following. So yes, sir, beyond a shadow of a doubt, all those that are hungry, all those that are thirsty, if you cry out for the Lord, he will come and he will touch you and he will use you. Right, what advice would you give someone that says, yes, I want more, but the degree of hunger I've heard uh, that happened to Rodney Howard Brown uh, when his oldest brother died, do I need a catalyst like that to be hungry? I, I, I mean, uh, answer that question. No, I, I don't say, you know, for everybody there is a switch somewhere. But I will tell you this, you know, you need to shut off your television. You need to shut off some of the outside attractions. Take your Bible and start in the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Underline all the miracles of Jesus. Go to every one of his crusade meetings. Uh, read the sayings of Jesus and then go through the book of Acts. And then get down on your knees and cry out and say, Lord, 
if you could do it in Bible days, you can do it today and come and touch me. But then promise the Lord. Say, Lord, if you touch me and you use me, I'll never touch the glory. I will always give you the glory, the praise and the honor. But, Lord, I want to be used of you. I'm, I'm hungry for you. I'm thirsty for you. As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after you. And then the Lord will come and touch you. And it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily have to be in a church service. It can be in your bedroom. It can be in your, in, your, in your hotel room or your hospital room. It could be on a deathbed. Uh, what is going on? You have a church in uh, Tampa, Florida. What is going on with the members? Are they, are, are they like most members in a church, sitting there and going for entertainment every Sunday? No, sir. These are radical people. These are people that love Jesus with all the heart. They worship God. They're the biggest givers. They're radical soul winners. <laughs> I was sitting in church this last Sunday morning, just tears in my eyes. I just, we got kids that are preaching tonight. We have a crusade happening in Clearwater, Florida, in the tent. People are coming. Uh, I mean, Sunday night was probably what fifteen hundred in the tent. Tonight, I've got all the kids preaching. I've got kids, 9, 10, 11, 12, preaching, laying hands on everybody tonight. It's the kids doing the whole service. So from the littlest child to the oldest saint is being mobilized in this hour. And uh, it, I've actually, I'm doing myself out of a job, basically. Um, <laughs> the people are grabbing a hold of it, and they're going out, and they're laying hands on people. They're getting them saved. Miracles happening on the streets. People are jumping on city buses. Literally, I mean, it is it is something to behold. Yeah, you tell your people. I've never heard a pastor say this. Go have your own meetings. Do you really tell your people to do that? I tell them they are the meeting. I said you are the meeting at the coffee shop. You're the meeting at the store. Wherever you go, you Jesus is on the inside of you. Go out and let him let his power flow through you. It, we come on Sundays to celebrate, but what are you going to do Mondays, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? You you need to go out. Let Jesus be seen in and through your life, just like Peter's shadow in the book of Acts. The Bible says Peter's shadow passed over people and they were healed. A shadow doesn't say anything. A shadow doesn't preach. A shadow doesn't pray. But the shadow means that someone is there with a greater light behind them, and, and that shadow passing over the people, and the people were healed. And so, Oh, you did it again. We're out of time. I was talking to Rodney before we went on the air, and I said, Rodney, uh, when you say get hungry for God, uh, I understand what you say, but that's just kind of abstract for me. But on yesterday's broadcast, when you said, turn off the TV, get a Bible, start underlining every miracle— now, that's something I can bite my teeth into. That's something that I, 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 can, uh, I can grab hold of. Help me. Help everyone that's listening right now to get hungry for God. What are some practical things we can do? Well, first of all, I think when it comes to the subject of the anointing and you listen to different people talk, and people think you've got to go lock yourself up away in a mountain somewhere which um, I'm not saying you can't do that, but it's, sometimes it's not practical. If you're married, you've got children, you've got to go to work. And I try to take what the Word of God says and apply it to everyday normal people's life, not to some hermit or somebody who's going to go live in some mountain somewhere and pray by themselves, because, you know, God wants to use everybody within the normalcy of their life they're working a job, they're married, they've got children, you've got to take the kids to school, you've got to 
uh, take out the trash, take the dogs for a walk, and go to work. So uh, what happens is many times it's intimated that to walk in the anointing, you've got to be some recluse, some hermit, and all this kind of stuff, which is not true. Or then, because you are now paying the price for the anointing, you lose your wife, your children, and all that kind of stuff. That's not true either. It's totally different, you know, as in the case of Jesus. He came down 30 years in preparation for three and a half years of birthday ministry, and then he went to the cross and then went up and seated the right hand of the Father. But here we are living our lives some 70, 80, some 90 years, and then we go home. But we are getting married and having children. So, okay, so how do we take this practically and apply this in our life. Well, what I've always told people to do is get your Bible. Because it's not just about going to fast and pray for 40 days. People do that and then get some weird revelation that's outside of the Scripture. Take your Bible. Everything that God is going to do is going to have its foundation within the Scripture. If you can't find it in the Scripture, you don't want it. And you, if you don't follow the Word of God, you're going to open yourself up to manifestations. And there will be... Um, Signs and wonders, but it'll be new age and it'll be crazy stuff and uh, it'll have devastating effects on an individual's life. So it's the word of God that will cause the fruit to be made manifest in our life. Everything we do, we want to base off of the word. And the Bible is very plain in the, in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. At the end of the Gospel of John said, all these miracles that Jesus do and all the others that have been written down, I do not suppose the books of the world would contain it, but we do have an account of the miracle ministry in the life of Jesus. So we go in, let's say we start in the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, underline every miracle that he did, underline all of his sayings, and follow very closely the ministry of Jesus. And then go over to the book of Acts and see what God did, which many people call the, you know, the Acts of the Apostles, but really it's not. It's the Acts of the Holy Ghost through the life of the apostles. And the Bible is very plain, too, where he says the promises unto you and to your children and all them that are far off. And I promise you that anyone listening to me right now, if you will take your Bible, if necessary, go down to a bookstore, buy a brand-new Bible, get some markers, and start in the Gospel of Matthew. And begin to underline and begin to mark and take notes. And go Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the book of Acts, that by the time you finish the last chapter of the book of Acts, something... It's going to happen. And as you do that, you pray. And you say, Lord, I'm hungry to see what you saw in Bible, what, what happened in Bible days. We know the Bible says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we know that the Bible declares that uh, he is watching over his word to perform it, that the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, his ears are open to their prayers, and that all over the world the Spirit of God is moving. When we hear of many of the miracles that are taking place in the Middle East, things that are happening in China, things that are happening in different parts of the world where men and women are out there believing God. We know that the days of the book of Acts are still on the earth, that the book of Acts does not have a closeout like some of the other uh, or the letters written to the, to, the, um, to the churches where the greetings and salutations, the book of Acts, we are still in the final chapters of it and the, the age of the church that was born 2,000 years ago. And when Jesus met the disciples and breathed on them, said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. But then he told them to go and get empowered with the Holy Spirit. And he said, You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you'll be witnesses unto me. The purpose of the power is not just for us to sit on our blessed assurance and to show up in church 
on Sunday morning for a one-hour dry cleaning service in by 10, out by 11. Three hers take up the offertory, and they preach from the Encyclopedia Botanica, and the Reader's Digest, and then pronounce the last rites, and everybody goes home just as dead as what they came. The purpose of the power is to mobilize the church where ordinary men, ordinary women, full of the Holy Ghost, while they married and have children and work a job, go out and are being a witness. And the word witness there is to be a demonstrator of the resurrection. So that when you meet people wherever they are, even if they did not believe that there was a God, when they met you, they'd have to say, I didn't believe there was a God, but somebody showed up at my work today. And they talk like nothing I've ever heard before. I look in their eyes and I see Jesus in their eyes. I hear Jesus in their voice. I feel Jesus in their touch, and that's called the touch of God. And anyone listening right now, and you are hungry, and you're desperate, and you're thirsty, if you'll do these things, and you'll cry out to the Lord, and you will read the Word, and you will pray, and you'll read the Word some more, and you'll pray, and forget about all of what other people say out there. Forget about all the attack and people saying this is not for today, and God doesn't want to do this or that. You say, Lord, if you're real, and your word is real, and this is for today, then you come and you show me and you manifest yourself to me and in me and through me because God will first come and manifest himself to you, and then he'll manifest himself in you so that ultimately he can manifest himself through you. And so he wants to touch a lost and dying world, but he can't touch it when all you have is something that's just intellectual. He's got to touch the world when what you've received from him uh, as the, the Apostle Paul said, I've received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you. You can't give what you don't have. But once you get that touch from heaven, once you get the touch of God, and in just a few moments I'm going to pray for everybody to receive that. And, and you, what I, really what I am going to pray is that you will get a hunger for the things of God. Because it's not something, you know, oh, just pray for me now and I'm going to get the touch of God. You want to get hungry for him. You want to get thirsty for him. And this means everything about your life is going to change. And the first thing we do, of course, is repent. You can't have the touch of God and have the things of the world. You can't have the touch of God and be living in the world and, and, and not li living a pure and a holy life. And people say, well, you can't do that. I've got news for you. You can't. Jesus uh, tells us that we can't, and we follow him. And uh, we, we, a good tree brings forth good fruit. Rodney, our time is slipping. Would you pray? Yes, sir. Let's pray right now. Father, I pray for every single person listening today. I pray for a spiritual hunger that will descend upon them in the name of Jesus. I pray, Lord, that they get so desperate for you, but they want you and that they want that intimate personal relationship with you and that you will come and reveal yourself to them and in them and through them and that you will make your love known to them and they will have an encounter with you and that they will receive your touch and then through their life that you would touch a lost and dying world. Lord, there are people listening right now with no hope. There's people listening that, that have lost their way, but that you would bring them back. Lord, put, put a hook in their jaw and bring them back. Let them fall in love with Jesus all over again. Touch them with the joy of your salvation. Heal sick bodies today. Lord, let people surrender their life to your total lordship. Let the things of the world go grow dim. Let the things of the world fall by the wayside. Let your fire fall upon them even now. And let a greater level of hunger and desperation and thirst for you come upon them. That, Lord, in the days and weeks to come, that we will see and we will hear uh, of the fruit that's coming forth from the life of many of the believers that are crying out to you. 
And, Lord, I just thank you that you, as you could touch me all those years ago in Africa, that you will touch people listening right now on the radio. Let the fire of God fall upon each and every person and let a hunger for the things of God descend upon them. Let them love your word. Let the hunger for your word and the things of your spirit come upon them. An insatiable appetite for the word of God to descend upon them even now. I pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus. And I thank you, Lord. Thank you for it. And I give you praise. I believe that so many people are having that switch pulled inside them right now. But what you need is this four-CD set where Rodney will be teaching just like he's teaching to you right now. But you you have so much of the world hitting you, you need God hitting you. And he's anointed to light that fire, the, the hunger in you to get that fire Uh, And the book called The Touch of God, the four-CD series called The Touch of God, available for a gift of $40. This is the Shabbat broadcast. I want to pray over you. The Lord has already blessed you. I tell you, the Lord, he smiles upon you. He's already smiled upon you. You're already walking in his favor if you only realize it. The Lord is opening your spiritual ears to hear what his spirit is having to say to you right now. The Lord is surrounding you with his gifts there. He's just pouring his gifts upon you right now. The Lord is giving you his shalom, his completeness in your spirit, in your soul, and in your body, in the name that is above every challenge of life, Yeshua HaMashiach Sikenu, Jesus the Messiah, our righteousness. To hear this week's interview or watch archives of our television show, It's Supernatural, visit our website at www.sidroth.org. That's www.sidroth.org. To receive a complimentary copy of our bi-monthly teaching newsletter, materials catalog, or information about becoming Mishpucha or Chalitzim, write to me, Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. To place a credit card order, call anytime, 1-800-447-2697. For all other calls, the number is 704-943-6500. That's 704-943-6500. For a CD of this week's broadcast, send a donation to Sid Roth. That's S-I-D-R-O-T-H, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278.